Gwen Danzig, Ronnie James Dio, Stevie Nicks, Iggy Pop, Joan Jett, Gwen Stefani. What do all of these rock stars have in common? Despite being a part of some of the most legendary rock and roll bands in history, they took a chance on themselves and they created iconic solo careers. And I decided it's about damn time that I took a chance on myself and worked on the greatest project I'll ever work on, my solo project, as the heavy metal sister. And Heavy Metal Fury is coming after the heaviest metal in WOW, the world champion. You know, when we all have our 15 minutes of fame, and I'd like to take a couple of my 15 minutes to talk about the rights and the wrongs in the world of professional wrestling. This match is for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship! Hello, one and all. This is Mr. Green. You are listening to the Rights and Wrongs of Processing Podcast. And we got a, well, pretty full show here today. This um, this episode is going to not only contain the review of WOW as we normally do week to week, but we're going to address the WOW ratings again. The WOW ratings have come back and we're going to talk about that for a little bit and the pay scale, or at least the reported pay scale for WOW, that has uh, been posted out. Well, I shouldn't say it's been posted out. The article uh, came up a couple of months ago uh, from SC Scoops. So we're going to credit them, and we're going to talk about that for uh, just a, a tad. How are you? And thank you for tuning in. I do appreciate your time and your ear. And that being the case, let's get started. So... I think the first thing that we want to do here is uh, go into perhaps the ratings of WOW because we've talked about that uh, previously, covered the uh, August and September up until now. So we have October and these are, I, I guess we're at our average. This is pretty much the average of what WOW does week to week, essentially regardless of what's being promoted or who's up in the main event or anything like that. I I really, I find it, uh, I don't want to say difficult to believe that they maintain this because I know they have their dedicated fans. I know that this, this ratings uh, sphere that they're in right here that I'm about to go into is pretty much the, the the core wow audience. It doesn't feel like they've reached out and gotten any more persons or people to watch. Every once in a while, they get a rating spike. But by and large, it seems like this is generally the hover area, which debatably could be said is uh, not great. But as I've talked about with other people before, we don't know what wow considers to be successful ratings I know I know TV stations will look at certain things and say you know this isn't good for us or 
we could probably do better if we just put in infomercial and and those conversations exist you have uh, people who are sitting stations like i can get this same kind of money you know kickback off of running something else which is always an uphill battle never mind the fact that we in the uh previous podcast just talked about a uh, tv deal that potentially and i say potentially could affect a while but you know that's that has nothing to do with their ratings necessarily so we're, we're gonna just go off into that so let's start with this <clears throat> keep in mind that the ratings that are leading into october the last view was at 324,000 viewers. That was the last rating for the previous month. The main event for that show was the Tonga Twins versus Las, ben, uh, uh, Las Banditas for the Wild Tag Team Championship. That was the main event. And that was, like I said, 324,000 viewers for that main event. Or at least for that episode. I can't say that, I can't say proof positively that the main event drew it because we don't have uh, quarter by quarter ratings and things like that like you get with WWE or AEW. Here is just the rating for the overall show. So at 324, 324K, that is what leads into the following week. Now the following week has a drop off of 47,000 viewers giving them a rating of 277,000 viewers and a rating point of 0.06. The main event for that show was Princess Ozzy versus Penelope Pink versus Tormenta for the Wild Championship. So the Wild Championship in this instance did not attract anyone to watch the show. I, I don't know if that's an indictment of the champion. I don't know if that's an indictment of the championship. For that matter, I don't know if it's a, you know, necessarily an indictment of the promotion, but the numbers are the numbers, and they have lost nearly, and I say nearly, 50,000 viewers going from the previous week to this. And keep in mind that these ratings are reflective of the 18 to 49 demographic. The following week, October 8th, an additional 7,000 viewers dropped off from the previous week at 270,000 viewers at a rating point of 0.04. The main event for this show, also another championship match, the Wild Tag Team Championship, the Tonga Twins versus Miami's Sweet Heat. I did mention before that I thought that that this needs to end, and I think these ratings are starting to hear me out, that Tonga Twins versus Miami Sweet Heat, no matter how much effort that they're putting into it, does not appear to be a draw for them. It's not getting them, it's not getting anybody interested anymore. This has gone on too long. Outside of the while faithful, I'm not sure if this would draw anyone's attention any longer. It's not like, and maybe they could get there, but it's not as if they have a ton of classic matches, one after the other. Uh, you know, 
let's just use the New Day and the Usos for, for a moment. When they were in the middle of their feud, these, this is several years ago, they did light the world on fire for just a brief moment. They had good matches, but they also had time to have those matches. It built 10, 15, 20 minutes and what have you. And they went through a variety of different stipulations. Here, they have named the stipulations something different, but they basically were the same stipulation. And, you know, we'll, we'll go off into that a little bit later on as I get to the next one. The following week, on the 15th of October, they gained viewership by 42,000 viewers. 42,000 extra viewers tuned in to watch. Well, let me get the the, uh, the numbers first. There were 312,000 viewers. That was the addition from the previous week's 270. And the rating point, 0.06. So we had, a, like I said, a ratings boost there. And the main event for that particular show, Princess Ozzy versus Penelope Pink, one-on-one for the Wild Championship. So as we are looking at this on this sheet for a month, it's been championship match after championship match after championship match after championship match. Wild Tag Team Championship, Triple Threat for the Wild Championship, another Wild Tag Team Championship followed by another Wild Championship uh, it does appear that the championship stipulation might be getting prostituted out. I don't know if they're looking, if they think they're gaining anything from it, but I, it, it, this is starting to develop a pattern and not a favorable one. Whereas Princess Ozzy versus Penelope Pink potentially drew more people or at least it had, it held interest if nothing else the following week on the 22nd of October they lost a huge number at 57,000 viewers the viewership 255,000 viewers the ratings point 0.06 I don't know how they came up with that one because I did now again I want to Say these uh, these notes are compiled by Russell Knox um, and Brandon Thurston. But in any case, the match that lost his viewership was again the Tonga Twins versus Miami Sweet Heat. They uh, they've gone one to the wheel one too many times for that. If we're going to just go ahead and call it for what it is, this has happened one too many times. The stipulation hasn't really changed or altered all that much. Like I said, they they called it something different. The first time we saw, I mean, they they had like what a, a falls count anywhere match that didn't really do anything. Then we saw them have what I called one of the cleanest. No holes barred matches I've ever seen. It, it was absolutely just the, one of the cleanest, most organized, no holes barred matches I had ever seen. And I don't want to take away from the work that they tried to do there or the, that they put in for the match. 
but this the overusing of stipulations trying to overhype it like it's something different than the last time it's it's not working and if I were going to say or use anything as a point to say, well, look, this is what proves that, it might be these ratings. They have turned this match into a potential ratings black hole. The WoW usually doesn't have rivalries that go match after match after match after match, but they also have not had the opportunity to have them go match after match after match after match because they haven't been on this long. Not consecutively. This is the first time in the Wilds' existence that they have gone just a year straight, no breaks, no interruptions, and probably within the course of this year, just in television, they've done more than they've done in any given seasons that they've had, arguably combined. But they also haven't had, like I said, the opportunity to have these type of matches and build them to where people are actually interested in it. If anything, I think it's worked in the opposite way. The Tonga Twins and Miami Sweet Heat have to move on. They've got to get away from this. And finally, on October 29th, they lost an additional 12,000 viewers from the previous week. This was 243,000 viewers with a ratings point of 0.05. The main event, The Beast versus Vicky Lynn, which in theory should have been a big deal for them. The Beast versus Vicky Lynn should have been a big deal. Now, I've been very verbal about the fact that I thought that the leg break angle was an unnecessary component to keep her off of TV. It would have been just as easy to get her going right into a feud with Tormento or somebody like that just because she was the one in the match when her ankle broke. Have her go around claiming that she did it on purpose and not, I eliminated the unstoppable beast or whatever the case may be. But while I made this decision, I'm not saying that my path is the only path that they could have taken. They decided to go a different route, and they chose Vicky Lynn McCoy, even though it was one of the most half-hearted explanations I've ever seen. <laughs> That sometimes they could be a little underwhelming. Now, the confrontation between the two of them, I enjoy it. I, I am on record as saying I enjoyed that confrontation because of how it was presented. I feel that this viewership drop is in large part because it almost didn't build. I mean, it, it, it was the bare minimum of building an angle. There wasn't a lot of heat behind this other than we're supposed to know that the beast is mad. And that's basically it. It's not like we've had people just clamoring to see the beast get this comeback for some incident that took place almost a full year ago. They didn't keep the beast in anybody's forefront. They they showed her like once working out. And she didn't figure this thing out on her own. Sofia Lopez did it for her. She didn't get the chance to be the hero to her own case. She got to be the muscle, but she's always the muscle. I, th- I think this could have been better. 
it would have been a disappointing main event. Now, I, I can understand that. If somebody tuned in with the idea of saying, I am going to see the Beast versus Vicky Lynn in this fight. If that were the case and they tuned in and saw this, they may be disappointed. Or they may have been disappointed. But the end result there is that I don't think it had quite the build that it needed. And coming off of Princess Ozzy versus Penelope Pink, the ratings just continued to drop. The Wild Championship didn't help. The Wild Tag Team Championships didn't help. Princess Ozzy and Penelope Pink for the championships seemed to help. But a championship match just for the championship match does not seem to be doing anything for Wild's ratings. They ran it for five weeks in a row, quite literally. Tag team first, then the singles championship, then another tag team, then the singles championship, then another tag team championship. There's a lot of that. Now, in fairness to Wild, perhaps they had something that was going up against it that particular week. And I wrote down with the, the potential other wrestling events that might have drawn eyeballs away from it. October 1st, there was Russell Dream. That could potentially have done something. I don't know. On the 21st, now these are non-WWE events, by the way. On the 21st of October, Impact had Bound for Glory. Again, potential. But you got to pay for that. You got to pay for those things. It's not like it's up on free TV. Now, I'm not saying that it, that it couldn't have taken viewership away. Might have. And I'm only putting this down as potentially why, what, what could have gotten people's eyes off of this. Because the one thing that I can point at on this sheet that I'm looking at is that the highest rated show that they had, the October 15th episode, the Princess Ozzy and Penelope Pink seemed to be unopposed. I could not find anything of any significance that might have been on that particular weekend. WWE events that were on, WWE Fastlane took place on the 7th of October, so it wasn't directly up against it, but it, but again, could could have potentially gotten some eyes away from it. And then you had NXT Halloween Havoc on the 24th and the 31st. Again, not on the same day, but potentially drew some some eyes away from it or got the interest elsewhere. That's probably a better way to phrase it. Not great ratings considering their accessibility. They like to put uh, or I should say wrestling media sometimes likes to say, well, you know, Wild draws as much as Impact, and that's true. But the more comparable thing would be talking about Wild um, on Vice ratings versus Impact, which I had no ratings for, for uh, their Vice broadcast, which airs at midnight and 3 a.m. on uh, Wednesday mornings. So... If you're awake Tuesday night and you go past midnight, Wednesday mornings, 12 a.m., 3 a.m. Those shows are more comparable than just over-the-air broadcasts. But now if we want to say one thing for a while, last time I saw it, it looks like their ratings are getting more comparable to Collision. (laughs) 
since uh, that show seems to be taking a nosedive ever since uh, Punk left it. But that's uh, a whole different uh, ball of wax. Reportedly, Wiles Payscale, I originally thought had risen. But the way that I read it, it's like, okay, well, maybe it didn't raise. Maybe this is just the way that it has been structured. And the wording in the original releases that I saw might have been incorrect. So let's go through that because I know there are some people every once in a while it's like, hey, man, how much do those women get paid to do that? And there's never really been a strong answer that I could provide. Now, the, the original thing that I read was that while uh, superheroes get paid between $300 and $600 per event, when you phrase it that way, it comes off and it sounds low, especially since we don't know what per event stood for. That could The event could have been the entire shoot, three, three days. Or it could have been every day that you're there. That, so that's why I was like, we don't really know because the definition of what an event was was not clearly defined. However, on SC Scoops, as written by Thomas Lawson, he revealed in his article, or you know, I guess potentially revealed, the, the uh, women of wrestling superheroes pay. The actual name of the article is Wild Women of Wrestling Superheroes Pay Revealed. So when I read this, what I'm getting from the, um, the article is that on Backstage.com, which is a site for actors, and this, I, there's nothing that, I've, that I could fact check against. I will just say this, that when I've interviewed Wild Girls from the past, this is what they said they got their information from. They found it on Backstage, which wasn't a .com at the time. It was, a, it was the actual paper. But Backstage.com caters to actors. And they found that and they auditioned for the show, which basically, you know, it runs parallel to what he's writing in his article. So I have no reason to doubt it. <clears throat> but uh, apparently, according to this, a casting call went out for women to join the promotion for an upcoming tape of the content. The listing requires gymnastics, dancers, or athletes to join the company for the shooting in the summer. And the listing revealed that while superheroes are paid between $4,000 and $6,000 a month for their work, meaning a total of between $12,000 and $18,000 for this three-month contract. Additional pay includes between $600 and $4,000 per event, plus the possibility of royalties. Now, that, now, keep in mind, what I just read was the article. This is not like a contract or agreement that's sitting in my hand recognized from wow so take that information with a grain of salt all right much like i did with the first time first i'm gonna say i i hope that that's true because that would mean that they would be getting fairly decent money now it's not to say that they could quit their day job necessarily because it sounds a lot when you lump it together like that. 
But that pay scale is always going to be determined on how much work are you getting. Originally, when I read it and I said that it was between 300 and 600, do the math on that. And let's go with the low end. At 300 a day, if you take a three-day shoot, that's, what, 900 uh, a weekend, which puts you at 3,600 a month. And that's, I did the, the math on the, the last one. That, that will come out to 43,200 annually. That's without any taxes and things like that taken out. So let's let's start off with that. Secondly, we don't know if WOW covers transportation. We don't know if they cover lodging. A lot of Russells have always complained about that. It's always been a complaint of, well, we do get paid a lot, but I also have to cover my, my rental car costs. I got to cover my gym. I got to cover my food. I got to cover the transportation here and from. So... <clears throat> Absolutely good money, good side money, especially, you know, you've got another gig and you can go in and make out a 300 a day, then, yeah, absolutely. Is not putting them in six-figure range. I mean, it, it still works for what they're trying to do, especially if you're, you're doing um, a weekend worth of work. What I didn't understand here, or at least I'm not going to say I didn't understand, what I question is they're talking between four thousand and six thousand for the month generally speaking they go and do the tapings over the course of three to four days and remember i said i was i was calculating that on a low scale so i calculated for three days on the lowest reported number that they have if you go on the high end at 600 a day three day shoot that's 1800 7200 per month, 86400 annually. Still not accounted for taxes, not accounted for all the other extras and things that you may have to pay in, in route of and this, that, and the other. All of that, they should be getting. You're on national TV, you probably should be getting more. But it's a start, especially when a lot of the girls that are coming there expect, you know, when they're not, uh, wrestlers and you're getting stunt women and they do have some actresses and they do have some and some models and what have you when you're getting them on there and it's a quick assumably route to being on television if you get if you get on there and I'll use the young lady Goldie Collins Goldie Collins as an example the things that we saw with her as far as her social media concern is that she had been acting but it's been largely stage work now all of a sudden she's thrust on national television there's no reason for her to say to say no especially if she lives in the area and they and they would pay her that kind of money whether that be on the high or low scale is probably is probably a great supplement to her so why is this all being brought up here because it helps us understand why the uh Fierce loyalty that some of them have towards WoW exists. Not just the, the fact that, hey, I'm going to be on TV and I'm going to be on national television, regardless of how many people may be watching or not. They're on national TV and they'll always be able to say that. They, they always have that on the resume. And that's that cannot be taken away from them. And nor should it. But it does, like I said, it helps us understand that 
strong loyalty that some of them have towards WoW. I, again, do question, are they getting royalties? Because that you would figure that that would either come from syndication money that they might be getting, if it's airing elsewhere, you know, around the globe. They say that they're a global product, so what if it's running in Canada? What if it's running in the UK? Should they be getting some kickback from that? Yes, they should. Unless they're going to get paid massive amounts of money up front. And, and, and uh, McLean has decided to do a Vince McMahon. Like, I don't pay royalties. Even though he does. If any of those things are true, that they get royalties off of uh, it re-airing in other parts of the country, re-airing in other parts of the globe, then I think it's safe to say that they should be getting some relatively good money. I still have some hesitation believing that the way that is worded and the way that is laid out is the way that it is completely. I'm not saying that there's no truth to it, but I have just, just based on what I've seen and some of the people that have interacted and some of the other jobs that they've taken and, uh, in recent weeks and months and so on and so forth, it would be, it's very difficult for them to believe that they're getting this just straight up because there's no reason for them to take, especially if you're on the high end, there's almost no reason for them to take another uh, job necessarily because that outside of WWE maybe and, and AEW, they may not get that kind of money elsewhere. It's possible. But like I said, I, I, I thought that that was an interesting point of showing where they stand somewhat in the landscape of pro wrestling because beforehand, it, 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 a lot of people have looked at it and said that it came off as cheap or what have you. I didn't necessarily think it was cheap, but I do have some reservations about how that money is being spent out. But we'll move off of that. We, that was ratings and that was pay scale, but now we got to go into the review because that's the meat of the show and that is what the, uh, the real interesting parts are, is what they do from bill to bill sometimes and sometimes outside of it. But we will uh, go into it and this is the uh, Night of Handcuffs title episode i know some of y'all have no idea what i'm talking about but they name all of their shows this is episode 209 61 if you're going chronologically air date november 11th or at least the original air date some of y'all might have aired on the 12th so it starts off they have a segment with the explanation of why the mother truckers are handcuffed to lana star and sofia lopez you know, because the mother truckers just happened to be in the room when Lana and Sofia Lopez came in complaining. It seemed a little uh, sporadic or out of the blue. I could have sworn that they said before that explanation, which was supposed to have happened earlier that day, I could have sworn that they said that, you know, next week is going to be so, you know, the mother trucker, I mean, 
not the mother truckers, but a lot of stars fill up as, and they'll be handcuffed to the mother truckers. I could have sworn they announced that ahead of time. I'm not willing to commit to that because I don't remember, and I didn't write it in my notes. So let's just assume that that was not announced. <laughs> Sometimes when they had these stipulations on the wow, it doesn't seem to coincide with what they've done previously. What I mean by that is in this segment, it was presented to Dave McClain as they came in, they being Lana Stein, Sophia Lopez, come in complaining. and complain. And I still don't really understand why they're so hot at each other when it should be David McClain that they're hot at. But we will uh, skip past that. He basically said, well, no, I can't have you guys out there because you cause too much trouble. You interfere too much. We, we, we can't have that. And that's when the mother truckers chime in because, like I said, they just happen to be there. Well, you can handcuff them to us. I mean, that's not verbatim, but that's pretty much what was said. And he's like, hey, I love it. We'll just handcuff you and they'll keep you in line. All right. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Did he not have the Fabulous Four members banned from ringside with what was supposed to be an armed guard security at one point? What was so difficult about having another stipulation where the managers couldn't be there? I, I, I didn't understand that. It's like all of a sudden, whatever solution he had for the same problem, he's completely forgotten about. I mean, Lana Starr, Penelope Pink, Vicky Lynn, they all had to be, uh, allegedly, put behind a locked door with an armed guard who didn't have any armed anything, didn't have a billy club or a gun, but, you know, we're, again, we're not going to go into the little details there, the minutia. But it was a problem that was already addressed. He's already shown that he's willing to, all right, well, we'll just ban you from ringside. Another time, he got up on the microphone and said, you cannot be here. So why was this any different than that? There is a lack of logic and plot holes in WoW on it, on occasions. And then sometimes it's it just the continuity of what worked and what doesn't goes completely away. And this is one of those moments. The, the continuity of this was completely away. It didn't make a lot of sense that I have no options in front of me other than, well, the mother truckers. They'll do it. So they just decide to stick their nose in somebody else's business. I mean, if we're going to play the heel commentator here, the mother truckers stuck their nose in somebody else's business. They had nothing to do with this. They just say, hey, yeah, we can handcuff them us. Now, their feud had been with, with uh, Sophia Lopez. And then they already took care of that. They've already brushed that off. They handcuffed Sofia Lopez already. Same stipulation. Wasn't, I mean, technically speaking, they handcuffed her to keep her away from trouble to the ring post. And I, I don't know why that same stipulation wouldn't work here. We'll just handcuff you to the ring post where you can't do anything. But they wanted to handcuff her to the truckers, and they did this so close to having the same stipulation, what, two or three weeks ago? So they have volunteered their services so that they will not have any interference. The mother truckers. I've already questioned their 
intelligence on this show, and we will get to that as we go forward. The next segment is the first match of the show, introducing the class master and G.I. Jane. Well, introducing the class master with G.I. Jane and Samantha Smart. Taking on the Tonga Twins and somehow getting an immediate title shot. I don't really have a problem with the title shot, but it's just, why? <laughs> I mean, because you can always justify those in your own universe. I just thought it was a little soon, but, you know, that's my personal take on it. So we have a disciplinarian clone, more or less. While, and probably more specifically, David McClain, seems to have characters that he likes to utilize. The wrestling lifeguards or slash beach persons, the country girls, whether that be Sally the farmer's daughter, Becky the farmer's daughter, Jesse Jane or, you know, Jesse Jones, excuse me, whoever. He likes having, you know, some weather-based uh, or temperature-based person, frost, ice cold. There's been two different ice colds. There's been two different fires. You get where I'm going with this. And he likes his wrestling teachers. We've had two different disciplinarians and one classmaster, and Samantha Smart, which is basically all the same thing. And they just took this young lady and they slotted her in. Now, from what I understand, she is a wrestler on the independence out in uh, the California area. And I'm not mad at that. I'm also not mad at the fact that they didn't go through, like, well, we got to have her intro video on the screen just so we can have her get, you know, beaten. Because that's always the hallmark sign that somebody's going to get beat. That they put their video on the screen and let them talk up and introduce themselves. And then, lo and behold, they're looking at the lights three seconds later. But anyhow, the reason that's given that the disciplinarian isn't there is because she has too much schoolwork at the Board of Education. I was like, this is ridiculous. She has too much schoolwork. So that was the explanation that the commentators gave on, you know, on screen as to why the class is there and the disciplinarian isn't. It works for them not writing her off, but I mean, seriously, come on, too much schoolwork. This it makes Wild come off like a part-time job. My real job is out here teaching school, which is, you know, probably legitimately true. I just would not want to relate that on TV. The promotion should be the biggest thing. Your side hustle will be your, you know, teaching gig or whatever. But that, yeah, that was just silly. Uh, how title matches are assigned and while it's a little bit inconsistent, this is one of those cases. Like I said, I don't, I'm not really upset about the immediate title shot. It's just not really explained. And some. Sometimes the managers assign it, as in the case with Lana Starr. Sometimes it's Dave McClain who gets to, like, you haven't earned it yet. So, I mean, they're, they're kind of up and down with that as, as far as, okay, where, who does what? Is it championship privilege? Is it the promotion? Is it both? Who knows? Uh, 
We'll just go with it being both, I guess. Not a lot really happening here that you need to, to go into. I will say one thing is that I feel like G.I. Jane is getting better at her instincts. There was at least two times in that match where she steps into the ring and her opponent isn't ready for her, so she has to do a slight pause in order to give them the opportunity to address her. Like she had to start, she had to stop and start jawing with her, even though it didn't make any sense for her to be like, "Hey, what you gonna do about you know stuff like that?" But you, at least it was something opposed to just standing there behind an invisible wall. The effort was made, so I appreciated that. That's why I was like, I feel like her instincts are starting to pan out there, and it, a little bit more, maybe it'll it'll get a lot better. I don't know if she's that committed to it, but. And I would like to see it, and time will tell. Also, one of the things that Jane did in there is, again, it's those small things. We have one of the Tonga twins in the corner, the class matches, bringing them over there, knocks the twin down. Jane, from the outside, puts her foot under the bottom rope and steps on the twin's hand so she can't get up, being a good heel partner. And it works. I, I, I like that. Now, they didn't win, but, you know, it works. It, it just little things like that that they can call and say, you know, bring bring plausibility as to why this person isn't just getting up and running away or whatever the case may be. This is uh, not an easy win for the Tonka Twins, but this, this match is just there to, to fill out the time. Let's call it for what it is. Tonga Twins go over. There was no real big surprise here. They win with 3D. Now, we know that we're going to lose the uh, the uh, championships right now. I didn't really have a problem with Stephen Dickey making the, the 3D reference here, largely because the, the move is so associated with them being the inventors of it. Now, him saying, well, you know, Tonga Twins took a trip to Dudleyville. I mean, uh, I'm not big on him constantly referencing old wrestlers or wrestlers, period. But in this case, I felt like it worked. So after they get through this, the meat of this whole thing comes at the end. When Last Call comes out, they cut a promo on the Tonga Twins. They accept the challenge for the title shot. Um, Spoiler alert, I cannot imagine that Last Call is going to win this, especially with Wrecking Ball having already announced on Instagram on, and her just social media in general that she's leaving the company. So I can't I can't see that this is going to go anywhere. That's not to say that Wild wouldn't do it. <laughs> that they might have him win and then drop it 10 seconds later for all I know. But I cannot possibly envision that Wrecking Ball and, and Raina Del Rey are going to get this. Um... This is a poor introduction of the class master. That's for certain. Not only did she come in there and not really show who she was other than I'm another wrestling teacher, she dropped the fall also. So every time somebody comes in, I mean, you, you might as well just expect them to lose because that seems to be nine out of ten times what happens. But we'll see if she goes through and she gets anything else as time goes on. Hopefully she will. You know, we'll see. The next segment, Katrina Jenks and Coach Campanelli. This is another 
Let's just fill some time. Not bad. It's just there's nothing here. There's 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 no angle. There's no no promo. There, there's no in hall confrontation. Nothing. It's just just a match. And every match doesn't have to have something behind it. I'm not saying that as a complaint. Every match doesn't have to have some angle or some storyline and this, that, and the other. Sometimes you just have to have a regular match. But I don't know if Katrina Jinx, I'm sure she's athletic. I understand that she's a stunt woman by trade. I'm not sure if that if you're having cold matches like this, that the girls who are just getting into it, because she can't have more than three to four months worth of practice and maybe one or two professional matches. By the time this went out, I'm pretty sure it was maybe two, maybe. But I don't know if you want to have the inexperienced, like a Katrina Jinx, getting in a cold match with Coach Campanelli, who I don't think has a lot of wrestling experience underneath her either. She's good at it. She's not great, but she's good at it. So the thing that is noted here, because like I said, the match is kind of secondary, is the worldwide tour for talent. I wrote that this would be a perfect opportunity for them to do vignettes for they're going around the world or going to different locations and things like that. If it was going to be a worldwide tour, that's that's what I would expect, that she would be documenting her going to these different locations. That's how I envisioned it when they said it. She's going to be going to these different locations and meeting up with different people and you know, basically being a talent scout. The way that you see actual talent scouts do it, they go to the high school, they sit in the stands, they watch that person. In wrestling, it's not like they hadn't done it before. They had managers like, I've searched the world for – to find somebody, and then they send the, the tape back. Now, of course, she didn't have to go around the world, but it's Los Angeles. You can make it look like something. That didn't happen, but we'll we'll get into that anyway. There is, they did their version of it. I felt like it was a wasted opportunity, but, you know, hey. Katrina Jenks is in the ring doing, you know, things at various points where she's acting like a cat, of course. Pawing at the mat, et cetera. I, I don't know what purpose that serves, but you know, I guess she feels like this is the, for her her personality, her character. There's knee lifts that the coach did in the match, which clearly weren't close to connecting to Katrina Jinx. Thank the editors for doing the best that they could to cover it up, even though as much as they did, they could not cover it to where you could not notice. It is very noticeable. Very obvious, very in your face that these things are not connecting at all. Nothing happened here of note. Coach hits the buzzer beater, which is their version of the unprettier. One, two, three, she's done. So Katrina Jenks, who is walking the buildings of L.A., talking about how she's going to pounce on the top of WOW and all that good stuff like that, is now beaten twice. Next segment, Fury cuts a promo. This is well done, especially considering while well, seeing her start from to where she is now. Uh, she was she was not originally a good promo. She didn't she didn't have anything that she could sink her teeth into, and when she did promos back then, now 
she has something that she could put her teeth to. I think she has probably fallen larger in line of being Fury, the heavy metal sister, as she calls herself now, rather than her former personality, I guess former, of Harlow O'Hara. She explains why she's solo now, and she announces herself as the heavy metal sister. Now, this is this is the type of promo that I said should be happening. She got in front of a camera. She explained to you why the heavy metal sisters are not there. She related it in musical terms, like you know, every in every great group, somebody goes off and goes solo, et cetera, et cetera. In that context, I didn't mind it. It didn't come off as campy. It didn't sound force-fed or that she was speaking in puns. It sounded like somebody who was trying to relate to the audience. I am no longer part of the group, and here's why. And that's all I've asked for out of their promos, rather than them getting some scripted verbiage, which clearly does not sound like anything that they would say on a day-to-day basis, here it came off like, okay, I feel this. I understand that. She ropes in her title aspirations in the in the promo and even roped it around to her, I guess now her own moniker, since she is the only heavy metal sister there. Basically says she's going, she is the heavy metal sister and I am going for the heaviest metal of all the wild championship. Done. I don't like the constant championship call outs, but it works here. You know? And maybe that's part of it. Maybe because she is a better promo than the other ones that have gone out and said it, it may just work for her a little better. But this works. And I like that she did it. The next match, Fury versus Holiday. Now, the first thing that I've referenced here or made note of is, and it's really not a, a, a sticking point of the match, but it's a sticking point of Stephen Dick. It's like, why is he referencing the Beatles? A, t- uh, a band from the 60s, a group from the 60s, as a point of reference here. I mean, I get it, and I understand the point, because he was trying to reference, well, you know, they went solo and had their own individual uh uh, careers and and what have you from a successful group. Well, first off, the heavy metal sisters weren't successful. I I wouldn't go that quite that far. They they were moderate at best. But that's not the point. I just I was like, you couldn't think of anybody else. You couldn't go Cisco and Drew Hill or Beyonce and Destiny's Child or the, 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 uh, Justin Timberlake and Six. Something just a little closer to modern day. I don't know. Again, not a big sticking point. Just kind of, you know, this is kind of odd for me. So, there's uh, portions of this match. This is another, let's have the match, and the important part will take place at the end. Uh, I will also say, I think some of these referees need to go back through some, some level training. I forgot to mention in the uh, tag team match earlier how the referee got in the way of G.I. Jane. Here, they had a spot 
for the ref that didn't really make a lot of sense. It didn't, it didn't go anywhere. It didn't do anything. It didn't serve any purpose. Well, he just jumps in the way of, um, of Holiday after she suspends Fury on, like, the second rope in the corner. And she's getting ready to charge into her. And the ref's like, no, 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 don't, don't do that. And you would think that him stopping her would, like, give her the opportunity to get free or something like that. No, just get out of the way. And then she kicked him anyway, kicked her anyway. I, I just, I, I didn't see what that spot served. Unless he had something going on that he saw that no one else did. Now, if that was the case, then bravo. It just didn't come off that way. So, this is them referencing, them being the commentary team. This is a match with them referencing some sort of history like, well, you know, Fury is part of the Heavy Metal Sisters and Holiday with a partner, Siren. They had wars with each other. And, you know, they, they of course, they're trying to play it up like it was some big brawl to end all or that it was a, you know, a bloody affair or something, something along those lines. But... They, they did not really do a good job of selling that. Most of what they're talking about is things that I don't even think made air. One of those is a completely unreleased season of WoW. So I don't know how much of that they're going to do unless they're going to go back and show the video or something like that. I, I guess it's good storytelling for some of the new viewers who don't know. They just have to take their word on it. But this rivalry is, is not going anywhere. They didn't even really have a conclusive ending. I mean, they, they, they fought. They, they had a couple of matches. I know they, they labeled the Heavy Metal Sisters the winners of that. But they didn't, you know, go through how Princess Ozzy broke free or from the controls of Siren the Voodoo Doll and all that good stuff. It was just, they they finally won that last match and somewhat an underwhelming climax, surprise, surprise, and then they moved on. Fury wins this match with a distraction roll-up, by the way. Holiday showed good strength throughout the match. Chainsaw, this is the important part. Chainsaw comes out. Angelica Dante is talking to her. No, don't go listen to me. So now we're getting the story that Chainsaw is not listening to her handler which is her sister, her little sister, because they every time she comes up, they always have to, it's her little sister, it's her big sister, they always have to label it. So Chainsaw comes out, she sees Holiday, Holiday sees her in the, in, the, in the aisle way, and she, they start staring at each other, they have a silent communication, and there's a challenge. Holiday's like, come on in here then. And while her back is turned, Fury wins the distraction roll-up. I wrote, are they ever going to explain why they're mad at each other? Because I don't know if they've ever did. They're just, they're just mad. They're just mad at each other for some reason. But we don't know why. It's like, what is this for? Aside from the ref deal, him getting out in the way for some reason or another, this match is fine. I didn't, I didn't have any problem with it. I don't care for distraction rolls, generally speaking, but in the while it's not overdone. So, And here it works. Because they already have set the tone for Chainsaw and Holiday and having some issues with each other. I will give them credit for that. That is already set in place. So her coming out to 
intervene, for lack of a better term, is not out of the blue. It's not like it doesn't make sense. It's not like we couldn't expect it or see it coming. So here is fine. Works for me. The next segment, Coach Campanelli's Worldwide Search. And by worldwide search, they pretty much mean they're regulated to the bottom of the basement and wow. This, of course, is played up for comedy. This is why I said this is a wasted opportunity. I would think that it would have been for a worldwide search, and then they just immediately turn around to, well, everybody just came down here, and Ariel Scott's got them all down for the to, to see them, and almost all of them are inept. Young ladies doing cartwheels or trying to pirouette or whatever the heck. Uh, there, there's nothing here other than the fact they just played this up for comedy. So we will move on. Nothing, nothing to see here ex- except for, like I said, I don't understand why they would not have taken this allegedly on the road. I mean, they, they clearly have some means to do it. They went to a set with a jail to get the mother truckers in some nondescript unknown location prison so why couldn't they do that here why couldn't they just have gone to a stage like oh it's chicago illinois or whatever you know what i'm saying just, just something anyhow moving on next segment we see the mother truckers tease lana star and in, in the uh, basement you know what i like no matter who happens to randomly be in a hallway in wow they just happen to be by, in front of, or near a poster that just happens to have them on it. All the time. If Lana Star happens to be in the hallway, there happens to be a Lana Star poster nearby or a Fabulous Four or something like that. Mother Truckers there, gotta have a Mother Truckers poster. They just always seem to be right where their posters are. I mean, it's funny how that works out like that. I mean, you would think it was planned or something. Next segment, the mother truckers are announced to come to ringside. And this stipulate this is a rushed stipulation at, at best. Uh, neither Lana Starr nor Sophia Lopez have done enough to generate the kind of heat to warrant this angle that they're that Wild's trying to use. The idea behind having person's handcuff particularly to other wrestlers to keep them in line is that they have shown at ability to circumvent the rules to such a degree that the management needs someone to watch them that is the point behind that angle they have interfered and they have interfered and they have interfered and even when we come up with a stipulation they find some way to get around it that's when you have to, okay, look, enough is enough. I'm going to, you know, I'm assigning you this and you're going to be handcuffed to the mother truckers or, you know, whatever. They haven't done, Sophia Lopez and Lana Star on their own have not done enough to warrant this kind of stipulation. This came off to me like the person who came up with this, this match liked the stipulation without fully understanding why it was used in the first place. And I'm sure they have people that are there that that know this. They've they've worked it. I mean, 
as far as I know, Nigel, Zane, and Selena May, they both were wrestlers. They they should know this. They don't need to hear this from me. I think this is a large case of television dictating that we'll we just have to rush it. And also, we're doing this for eight to ten year olds. I mean, that's well, that's that's a short window. Let me, let's try that again. Eight to fifteen year olds or something along those lines. You know, it's kids that do not care. And adults who do not want that kind of depth in their their uh, show. The next segment is a promo for the Bees versus Vicky Land. They're preparing for their inevitable confrontation. Also feels a bit quick for me, but you know, we we won't worry about that. So we get to the main event. Miami's Sweet Heat with Lana Starr and Vicky Lynn and Penelope Pink coming to ringside. Well, Pink and Lynn both go to the commentating booth while Lana Starr goes to ringside. And they're taking on Las Bandidas with Sofia Lopez. Now, the first thing I said or out loud while I was watching this, like if they went through the trouble of handcuffing Lana Starr and Sofia Lopez so they wouldn't interfere, why would you allow Vicky Lynn and Penelope, why would you invite them to come out and do commentary no less than six feet away? What what sense did that make? You have, you have a stipulation that you are almost basically violating. And because there's nothing to say that they couldn't have just hopped up and cheated or interfered if they wanted to. The stipulation didn't apply to them. But it's like, okay, it's fine for them to be at, at the commentator booth because we want the commentators and the managers. As long as they're handcuffed, then there'll be no problem. You could see that something was going to happen with these two a mile away. You knew it was going to happen at some point. Didn't know necessarily what was going to key it off, but I was like, all right, they're coming out there. We know something's about to take place. Sure enough, it did. But we will get to that in a moment. But that was the big note that I had. If Penelope Pink and Vicky Lynn are allowed there, then what are the points of the handcuffs? Didn't make any sense to me. So Pink and Vicky Lynn are on commentary as this match takes place. The match essentially is a heel versus heel match. Although, it really didn't look like anyone got the uh, sympathetic role here. If, if I can make that observation. like I don't know if they got either one of them to the point that they're just, where the fans would lean with them. Not even for you know a little while. They, they kind of cheered the moves. It didn't and clap for the efforts that both teams put in. And they and let's be clear, they put in a lot of effort here. Uh, it wasn't too fast. The pacing, I thought, was really good for them. Uh, Las Banditas did a, a fantastic job. Rivera, not Rivera, Sanchez bumped on that floor like twice. And I know they got mats out there, but I mean, you can hear that boom when she hit the floor on her back. I mean, it was great stuff. There were big bumps being taken there, and it was impressive. But I also put in a week ago, just like I put in now, that's like Las Banditas needs to win this. 
Miami Sweet Heat would have survived something not working out for them. They've already established to the audience. Miami Sweet Heat have already established to that audience that they are a top-tier team. They've been to Wild Tag Team Champions twice. They've probably had more main events than anybody on that show. They have beaten basically every team that Wild has had put in front of them. One way or the other. A loss for them here would not have done anything. First off, they set this matchup wrong. And I would just go ahead and say they set this matchup wrong. If they knew that we are ultimately leading towards Miami Sweet Heat taking on Las Banditas, Las Banditas should have walked into this with wins under their belt. Not getting beaten by the mother truckers maybe, what, three weeks ago? And not just getting beaten, but beaten clean. Never mind the fact that they were beaten up by the same team probably two two weeks before that. The Banditas are damaged goods. If you could not tell where I was going with this, the Banditas lost. They did exactly what I feared that they would do. They went in there and they took the loss. Even though it would have worked out better for them, they would have gotten some more mileage out of Los Mendes, but now they, the value of this team has got to be nil. They constantly are on their back, constantly getting beaten. How do you believe in a team that, that to even potentially go out to the tag team championships when they don't seem to do anything like that? They didn't even come close. Now, the match in and of itself, nice match. Like I said, I thought the pacing was good. Good enough for, to where even if you are not a hardcore wrestling fan, I thought they did it at such a tone or a pacing that you could understand what was going on. You didn't necessarily need a commentator in your ear explaining every little thing because they did their story in the ring and it made sense. You got these two teams who are perfectly willing to break the rules when necessary, trying to out-heal each other. Now, they didn't necessarily go to the measure of like breaking out chains out their tights or uh, pepper spray or you know whatever, whatever little heel tactics that you could throw in. But they did illustrate that they are willing to stretch the rules when necessary to get the upper hand on the other. And could have been could they have gone a little deeper with that? Sure, but I thought they did a good job here. Yeah, I just feel like the wrong team went. But they both had a point in the match where the partner distracted for what was the obvious pin of the other team. You know, they they pushing each other aside. Smacking each, you know, smacking each other behind the referee's back when the opportunity presents itself. So, I mean, they, they did fine in, in this regard. And I thought it worked well in terms of showing a tag team, well, not unity, but chemistry. I probably enjoyed this match a little bit better than I enjoyed the 
Sweet Heat versus the Tonga Twins. I'm I'm kind of worn out with that. It showed more tandem movement between Miami Sweet Heat. They continue to get a little better. Uh, Las Banditas also may have been one of the better matches that they had. Unfortunately, it just was not good enough to where they got the three count. But Sanchez, Sanchez deserves something because she not only took a slam on the outside and it it made a great sound on on a uh, screen, but she was tossed. I mean, not not uh, just clear over the top ropes, but she was thrown over the top rope and she hit the floor with with another big thud. I mean, it it, it was it was good stuff, and you could tell that she was putting herself in for the benefit of this uh, of this match to try to get as much as they could out of it. And I, I think that she deserves she deserves some some real credit there. As, that that first one when she was just kind of hoisted up, I, I, I want to say Lindsay, the the blonde, she, she picked up Karen and just threw her right onto the to the mat. The end result of the uh, the match was you got Sanchez, she gets slammed down, and then she gets tossed through the ropes onto the floor. Second big bump. Of course, the mother truckers are stopping Sofia Lopez from from getting over there and doing anything for doing anything to stop or get her her client back up to her feet, and so that opens the door for Miami, Miami Sweet Heat. Sanchez is down. Rivera's by herself. They go for their big move, which I I did say I liked the fab jab, which is like a decapitation elbow from the top rope, and then one two three they win. So for all intents and purposes, they won this thing clean, even though they're, they're, they're a heel team. They beat another heel at their own game. I mean, well, I shouldn't even say at their own game because Banditas don't really have that. So we get to where we all knew where we're going. The match ends, and Lynn and Pink come from behind the desk Basically, looking like they're demanding that the mother truckers let the uh, the managers go, specifically Lana Star. So we know that uh, Sofia Lopez is uncuffed first, and they walk out, Los Bandidas and, and Lopez, because they got nothing to do with this angle. The collective of the Fabulous Four are now surrounding. The mother truckers, Big Rick Betty, who's sitting down with with Lana Star and and uh, Holly Swag, who's standing up with her back turned, apparent for some reason, but she's surrounded, so it wouldn't make any difference anyway. Once the hand goes off, Vicky Lynn takes her and just tosses her down, and then they push Big Rick Betty down, and then the beating commences. Tosses Holly Swag into the ring, catches with a German suplex, but essentially throwing her across the ring. And if there's one thing that they can do with, with Holly Swag because she's lighter than most of them there is that she can bump around for them and make the moves look impressive. And she did. Um, Big Rick Betty is now handcuffed by the power of the Fabulous Four at the bottom rope so she can't get in and do anything to save her daughter. And after she's beaten up, she being Holly Swag. The Fabulous for a pose over top of the Mother Truckers. These two cannot get a break. Now, they bring their problems on themselves, but they cannot get a break. It's like they go from one beaten 
and being screwed over to the next beating and getting screwed over. And now they're on this beating and getting screwed over. If they had just kept their nose out of the other people's business, it's not like David McClain asked them to do it. They volunteered. This had nothing to do with them. This is one of the points that I'm like, you know what? I I almost low key got to side with the, with the heels here because what really what concern is it of yours? Whether that match took place or not, but this only goes back to what I've said about the mother truckers as personas on this show. Amazing Maria and Hollywood J, Hollywood Haley J. Those are interesting personalities that you can see on TV. You can watch them on Netflix, and they, they're of course their match, mother versus daughter on YouTube. You should, if you haven't seen it, you should. But here, they come off like the some of the dumbest. People in that building having a truck stolen, you know, getting involved in these handcuff matches, not living up to their end of the bargain, not knowing that dealing with a heel manager was going to somehow come back to bite them, things like that. This is just, I, you know, I don't know, and it feels like the same angle. How many times do we need to see handcuffs? Los Bandidas handcuffed and beat up the mother truckers like a month ago. Then they handcuffed Sofia Lopez as the means to get even so they can level out the playing field. Then we handcuffed both of the managers to the mother truckers. Now we got Big Rick Betty handcuffed to the bottom rope. What, what is up with these handcuffs? Can we get past this? And if this comes out to be another stipulation but somebody else has to be handcuffed to something, then they're just running this into the ground. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that is not the case, but this is a stipulation that is being overused and overused quite a bit. The same angle with the same team within weeks of each other. That was the entirety of the episode. This episode largely felt like it was mostly there to set up for whatever the next thing for those persons happened to be. The Tonga twins, they just had to get past Classmaster and G.I. Jane, which was basically a holding spot to set them up for Tonga twins versus last call. Coach Campanella versus Katrina Jenks, again, it just the match was okay, but it just felt like a holding spot to go into Campanelli's worldwide tour for talent which was worldwide in the building Fury versus Holiday felt like it was only there so they could facilitate Holiday's angle with Chainsaw and then the main event here it feels like this is only there to give the mother truckers their next thing to do everything here although fine I did not have a, I actually didn't have a problem with the overall episode I mean, it's the the tag match, despite the outcome, the main event, I should say, saved the show for me because I, I thought the match was fine. I enjoyed the match. I didn't care for the ending, but I enjoyed the match. 
and they would have pushed it up for to a B for me because of the work and the effort that these two teams put in. But aside from that, it just felt like it is one set up for the next angle after the other. Like the entire hour is just all right. We're getting you getting getting over this hump to get to the next thing. We're getting you over this hump to get to the next thing. And it's just all four matches. Every you know every match that they have in the show all basically amounted to the same thing. It's just let's do this in order to get to that. So angles, storylines, however you choose to phrase it, all of that aside, I, because of the work that Miami Sweet Heat and Las Banditas put into the match. I would give it, like I said, a B. It's a shame, in my opinion, that the matches that they have that are supposed to be big deals, that are supposed to be the epic match, that are supposed to be the one like, fans, you can't wait to see this. It's going to be incredible and all, all that good stuff. It's amazing to me, or it's, it's disappointing at least, that they don't get a lot of time for that. They, they don't get a lot of time to let those matches breathe. I'm, the match and segment itself is almost like 12 minutes, but you got to remove six of it, I think. Roughly, if you're going to take that. So the match, probably five to six minutes long. They don't get the opportunity to have these epic matches. I'm, every match doesn't need to be some back and forth epic encounter that's not necessary but every once in a while it would be nice if they felt a little different the only thing that made this match feel different is that they seem to work hard aside from that it's like every match they have every week five minutes here five minutes there six minutes eight you know some, something along those lines but it, there's really not a lot of extra to this more a lot of that time got eaten up just by them coming out the ringside but that was it that is the the entirety of a night of handcuffs episode 209 of wow like i said if i were ranking that or grading it it would be a b maybe a b minus but a b all the same just because of the efforts of the main event. And I will wrap it up on that because we got more WoW coming in next week. And assumably, we're going to have their big match. Now, I know I said they, they overblow these things. I'm going to cross my fingers and hope that their next main event, the Bees versus Vicky Lynn, is actually something that is worth viewing in and that they don't disappoint. It's supposed to be some blood feud or this is supposed to be a match of revenge. So that's what I want to see. A match of revenge. They started it off good at least when they had that little brief confrontation. Will they be able to keep it going? That is the question. That is what I'm looking for. And we will see. Also for those of you that have uh, listened to this, downloaded this you can continue to hear this on greater podcast outlets if you're listening to this audibly. If you're watching this on YouTube, thank you very much. We would appreciate also the like and the subscribe. And if you are feeling like you want to support the show further, 
go down to the shop page, buy yourself a t-shirt, maybe some leggings, maybe a mug. Whichever one that you decide, it is there for you at our shop page. For those of you, like I said, that go to the wrestling shows and aren't particularly big on the comedy, there you go. We got shirts there for that. You can get the uh, the, the logo shirt, like to, to support this channel all together by wearing your Women of Pro Wrestling logo shirt. And of course, lastly, if you don't know where any of this stuff is, if you happen to be listening to this, but you're not on YouTube or you don't have access to the links right in front of you or you can't do it for whatever reason, then all you got to do is go to WPNWrestling, all one word, dot com, and it is the nexus for everything that the WPN does. And those links are there and available for you at your beck and call. You can get to everywhere. You can get the shop page. You can get the 24-hour broadcast. You can get the podcast. Articles that I've been in. Blogs that I've written. It's all there. Press releases. So just go to that WPNWrestling.com. And I will repeat. Your subscription. Your likes. Help this out immensely. Pushes it up in the algorithm. Helps more people see it. Which also helps the channel grow. See, you don't know, you don't have to pay money to help this thing out. All you gotta do is just do those things. Like, share, subscribe. That's what we all say. So on that note, thank you for tuning in for this full edition of Wow Review. Going over the ratings, going over the pay scales, and I'm sure we'll have more information, more things to talk about on the next podcast. But until then, this is Mr. Green saying that this is Mr. Green saying so long and we will see you on the next go round. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the WPN's Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling. If you have questions or comments, please contact us via our Facebook or our YouTube channel at the Women's Pro Wrestling Network. If you're new to the WPN, feel free to subscribe to our channel and like our page. We appreciate your support. Thank you again for listening.